Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, I'm George Chen. And I'm Paco Romain. And this is SupDoc, a show where comedians, us, discuss documentaries with our guests from comedy, film, and other arts. In this case, the dark arts. Indeed. On this episode, we're talking about the two competing Amazing Jonathan documentaries. The Amazing Jonathan? Yeah, George. The meth-smoking millionaire comedy magician from the 80s who was diagnosed with one year to live, but as of this recording, is miraculously still alive? Oh, oh, that Amazing Jonathan. Not the Jonathan from accounting. I was thinking of Jonathan from accounting. <laughs> yeah, but he is amazing. Great work. Two documentaries we're covering this week. Always Amazing by director Steve Byrne, which is available on YouTube. And there is also the Amazing Jonathan documentary directed by Ben Berman, a Sundance hit that is now on Hulu. And the craziest part of the story is how both documentary crews started competing with each other. And we're joined in this discussion by magician Andy Deemer. Andy's been a screenwriter, magazine editor, product manager, and now Macaulay Culkin's personal magician. We learn all about Andy's crazy lives while also getting to the bottom of the Berman versus Burn controversy, documentary ethics, and behind-the-scenes info on Jonathan's condition. You can catch Andy performing every week at LA's Magic Castle. And now, here's our talk with Andy Deemer. So we are here in the Chateau de George and Angie uh, with Andy Deemer. Thanks, Andy, for coming on the show. Hi, Andy. Hi. Hi, Paco. And I wanted to bring you on. Well, okay. I Can I let you... You were our second choice because we oh, could have had... We were David trying to get Steve Byrne, who oh, made still, the... Who's Dave Always Amazing, <laughs> to yes. do the show. We might still get him. Maybe oh, after this, he'll, maybe he'll want to respond to this discussion we're having. Oh, I hope he, I hope he <laughs> listens because I've... Wait, are you friends with him? Uh, no, we've just been emailing him because of, uh, he made this doc, he made the, uh, the first documentary, which is distributed through all things comedy on YouTube. So yes. yeah. The one with the very long title. <laughs> oh no, no. The shorter title. That's always, no, it am- is, always it is long. No, it's, it's like very, always, always amazing, amazing. The true story yeah. of the oh. life and death and return of amazing Jonathan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That is a longer title. I forgot <laughs> the, I forgot everything after the colon as as uh as should be the as case you should, with yeah. Collins, yeah. Um, so Andy, I did want you to do this show because a like uh, you're a fun talker to talk to, but also you are a magician. I am, and a uh, new a new magician, fairly new. Yeah, yeah, but more than anyone else that we could <laughs> book at 10 a.m. on a Saturday in the rain. But still, um, Andy, uh, as a magician, and and it, it's obviously related to Amazing Jonathan, although there is sort of like debate, right, in magic circles, people consider him more of a comedian than a magician. Is that correct? Well, yeah, he walks that line. He mm-hmm. walks a nice line between the two, which a lot of great magicians do. Um, you know, you have your very serious magicians and you have your very serious comedians. And and then there, a lot of people blend between the two. It's shades of gray. Mm-hmm. Right, because they both sort of hinge on surprise as an element and sort of... Uh, I think, right, that's kind of like the thing that sure. unites. Sure, magic does. Does comedy? 
Teach me about comedy. No, uh, <laughs> I cannot do that. I mean, there is. I've seen not. I haven't seen a ton of magic comedy. I saw Penn and Teller like a long time ago. I actually really loved uh, seeing them live. Uh, Paco, what's your experience with magic and comedy? Uh, none. Right now, most magic, or I'd say about half of magic, tries to be magic comedy. Mm-hmm. You that know, because just trying to surprise someone over and over again is a lot like Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld in one of these documentaries quotes Jerry Seinfeld as saying, okay, the coin disappears, you're a jerk. Here, the coin is back, you're an asshole. <laughs> and if it's just straight magic, it can, it can walk that line. Um, but, but so a lot of people inject great comedy into their magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, the one experience I've had at the Magic Castle, there's a lot of patter. There's a lot mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, a little bit of crowd work really is part of, part of the whole thing. I mean, a lot of it's crowd work, really. Yeah, I mean, essentially it's all crowd work. And I think about I'd say it. 90% of magic yeah. is crowd work. Uh, yeah. You look at comedians like Lucy Darling or Piff the Magic Dragon, um, <laughs> and they're, they're very funny comedians who are also doing wonderful magic up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, before well, we can get into a little bit of your background of getting into magic, but let's just talk about did I force you to watch both of these movies? Did you watch both of them? And you watched in what order? Did you I, watch I watched first. I watched the YouTube documentary. Mm-hmm. Then I watched the Hulu documentary. Then I watched the YouTube documentary again. Mm. Um, that that I have to say, that is, I think, exactly how you're supposed to do this. Yeah, I wish I had not watched the YouTube documentary again a second time. Um, My experience was a lot less positive the second time around. Hmm. Um, But I I had been wanting to watch both of them, but it was one of those things, you know, it's on my list along with finishing Breaking Bad or watching uh, the Alex Gibney end of the world documentary. The Family, that's the new Alex Gibney one. That's the Netflix... I think it's four or five part series. Were you talking about hypernormalization? Oh no, that's uh, oh, who that's, is that? That's um, oh, wait. Adam Curtis. Adam Curtis. That oh yeah, Adam brilliant. Curtis. Right. Mm-hmm. My yeah. God. Yeah. Um, everything Adam Curtis just makes my heart bleed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so wonderful. Is it because you lived in England and like that's a sensibility that's a little bit English? Uh, or maybe I thought it was more just because it's all about how the world is ending and there's nothing we can do to to stop it. Cheery, cheery <laughs> thoughts. Yeah, no, Adam Curtis is great for, for reminding you the world is ending, for sure. Um, Could you imagine like a dinner party of him and Werner Herzog? Oh, <laughs> my like God. Drunken. Yeah. <laughs> be awesome. Yeah. Uh, invite Lars von Trier and then it'll really be fun. It's going to be a lemon party. It's going to be fun. <laughs> what, wait, wait, what is a, is a lemon party one of those flavor things where you take the flavor pill? What What is a lemon mm, party? No. <laughs> a lemon party is three older ah. men. Get naked and have fun. Oh, okay. I missed that part of the internet. I, that, <laughs> yeah. was, that is not what I was thinking. Uh, Paco, Paco sex, how would you describe lemon party? It's for sexual older men. I don't know. It's um, it's very sexy. It's very old. I mean, that makes sense. Google when you're it. old, you you'll Google still it. be a dude. Like, yeah, exactly. You're not going to lose actually, that yeah. that part. Well, um, if, if you are a dude now. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let me, let me, let's dive back in this. Cause I'm curious. Cause this, let me just inter, interject this. I, I did the same thing. YouTube, uh, all things comedy, uh, always amazing. Then I watched the Hulu one. Then I watched always amazing again. And I liked it better the second time. Ah. It's the Steve Byrne documentary. I felt it was, I don't know if this is too early to get into it, but the second time around, I thought the Steve Byrne documentary was way too formulaic. 
uh, it was almost like he had he had written out chapters. Um, mm. He had the first twenty minutes were let's go through the linear biography of of uh, Jonathan. The second twenty minutes is the Jonathan and Joel subplot. Oh, exciting! Uh, which you know, the first twenty minutes, I kept thinking, "Oh my God, Jonathan dies!" This is because I, I really I came into this somewhat blind. So for the first twenty minutes, I kept asking, "Is Jonathan dead?" The next 20 minutes, I said, oh, no, Jonathan raped Joel. This is going to be, this is horrible. And maybe it's because of the Michael Jackson documentaries. Um, You know, so for the next 20 minutes, I'm thinking that's where the story is going. Then you change to another plot, which is, or or storyline, which is the Vegas storyline for the next 10 minutes. And then the rest of it is just sickness and the final tour. And it's almost as if Steve Byrne wrote down on a piece of paper, these are the the five stories that I'm going to have. And I'm going to tie them all together by going back to this this pointless Jonathan and Joel partnership or friendship, uh, which is entirely predicated on our joy in watching two drunk guys talk about how much fun they had when they were younger. <laughs> um, oh, you, you'll love my friend Joel. Oh, we had the f- craziest pranks. Oh, Jonathan, he's so crazy. Let me tell you this crazy thing he did one time. There's no conflict. There's nothing interesting. It's it's just a, a linear series of people talking about things that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, the other documentary is so filled with conflict. And I have issues with the other documentary, but but the the YouTube one I, I was just bored by. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's stay let's stay on the YouTube one for a second, and then we yeah. can we can pivot to uh, the second one. So uh, I, I get, I, I, I get what you're saying about the, uh, always amazing YouTube, all things can things comedy one. However, my, my, my feeling is that that's exactly what you just described is exactly what Steve Byrne set out to do, which makes it a classic biographical documentary, which is what he wanted to do. I think he wanted to present a lineage and he wanted to present a Jonathan, amazing Jonathan, um, uh, you know, career highlights and pitfalls and stuff. So mm-hmm. I think he set out to make that documentary, which is what he made, which makes it a good documentary because that's what he was trying to make. Mm-hmm. So he set out to make that documentary you just described and he did it well. It, I think it was competently put together. It was competently edited. It was really long. Um, <laughs> I felt like the strongest bits of it were throwaways. The, mm. You know, something I loved so much was this fragility of this character. As a magician, I know a lot of me doing magic is my insecurity and my, my desire to be seen. Look at me, friends. Look at me, family. Pay attention to me. And so much of the... the uh, the the YouTube what was it called the YouTube documentary uh, it, we call it, all, it always amazing always amazing thank word. you or Steve Byrne documentary yeah, the yeah. Steve Byrne documentary it had these amazing moments that showed that but they were just throwaways cut into other moments him sitting in a restaurant cracking the cup and behind someone's head and trying to make it look like he was cracking his head and no one notices <laughs> he's in the doctor's office behind. Anastasia sends uh, neck and he's breathing on her and she's ignoring him. And she says, I know you're there, Jonathan. <laughs> and his eyes, he, his eyes are just so sad. And, and, you know, even the doctor comes in 
and he's got that hand and the, the doctor says, oh, it's my least favorite or the, the never amazing Jonathan or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it just, it breaks my heart seeing these moments, <laughs> but the moments were never part of the, of the always amazing, always amazing documentary. Mm-hmm. And this is why I loved that he's always trying to be amazing, but people are just ignoring him. The people around him, they've seen this for 20 years. They've seen the same stories, the same tricks. On stage, he's doing the same tricks over and over again, trying, please pay attention to me, and no one will. It's almost he, it's, it's like they're always annoying, almost. You know? <laughs> yeah. Always like, desperately <laughs> attention seeking. Yeah. I mean, I we mean all every have those magician friends. has this problem, and, and I, I, don't, I shouldn't say that. Um, I, I have this problem. Look at me, please. And, and it would have been wonderful to see this documentary before you use start that. on this path. Use it well, yeah. As, yeah, as I'm diving deep into it. I, to, do you want more great footage that fit that story? I see. I see what you said. You wanted more like in-depth, like emotional stuff. Like you wanted to see, what, did you want to see more stuff about what made Amazing Jonathan tick? Like tell yes. us like what, what. You, oh, that would have been wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some more self-reflection, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like I think he has even said this in a bunch of interviews about this film is like, uh, there's the, there's not the tension of the story is not the typical tension of like a guy does a bunch of drugs and loses everything. Then, then he stops doing drugs and he gets everything back. He's just like, nah, I'm still rich. And I just did drugs the whole time. <laughs> like I have nothing. I'm just, I might die. That's the only part that is adding tension. It's just the finality, mortality. That was know? a strange yeah. segue in the film was he's there in his bedroom with, with Hunter S Thompson's gun Oh, between right. his lips and he's going to pull the trigger and then he gets invited on in living color but he decides no i'm going <laughs> to smoke right. crack instead and the very next scene <laughs> there was one minute between that you know this is the darkest despair he can't get jobs he can't even go for interviews and then they say oh but then we got a, a amazing gig in vegas and everything was wonderful and we lived in the al pacino suite um or <laughs> yeah. the scarface suite and it's like, wait, how, he was at the d- darkest point of his life, and now he's Al Pacino? Yeah. Where, right. how, how did we get from there to here? Yeah, that's, I mean, it's a fair point, but then you have to also, I think, ask the question, which is fair. Is Amazing Jonathan someone you can actually sit down and get a real heartfelt uh, look inside kind of interview? You know, I don't, it doesn't strike me as that kind of cat. I don't think he's very introspective. Yeah, I mean, I think he's... Like his, uh, he, I mean, he, I think he's, okay, I think we were talking about this before we started rolling. I think he is actually, he's actually sick. He has like diabetes. He had like some toes amputated. So all that stuff uh, that kind of comes up in Ben Berman's film uh, is, is, um, I, I think like if you go through that, stuff in your life you have to have he obviously is interested in a legacy that's when you end up having three documentary crews filming you it's like you are you do care about your legacy so i think that's but that's still an ex, you're right that's still an external way to think about your legacy is like what will others get out of my life uh he's still trying to sell a memoir apparently and i think he's added chapters because of this whole saga that's been added to his memoir um, yeah, like I, yeah, but I guess he's a guy who is an addict it is, he seems to be like obsessed with cars and like 
owning a lot of random stuff and like having this warehouse full of gimmicks. Um, so yeah, I, in terms of introspection, I guess if you got successful, like when you're about 20, 20 in your early twenties being like a performer and then you just did a bunch of drugs and like traveled the world. Yeah. I don't know that you're probably not like, yeah. Uh, Oh, I have a lot of regrets. Like I probably doesn't have any regrets. I don't think he has any regrets. It seems like most of his stories are scripts that he has told over and over. Mm-hmm. And probably the, you know, maybe the stories he's telling himself about himself are the same scripts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it isn't, he isn't obviously that what you hit on about those moments where like he's like, he just needs attention, he's an extrovert. And then he's not getting it. That's that is the actual right. That's the actual tension is like, how do I stay relevant? And but I also had forgotten like that he was as successful as he was because I don't keep pay attention to what happens in Vegas or anything like that. But I, I'd actually never heard of him before people started saying, have you seen the documentary? Oh, oh wow. That's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I <clears throat> I remember when his specials were on like Showtime and Comedy Central. I mean, he was huge in the late 80s and 90s. You know, I remember watching his specials when I was a kid and loving it because he was so freaking goofy you know and it was so colorful and loud and weird and he seemed bigger than life i mean he seems like a big dude i mean he's a classic detroiter too he's like a, just a big loud dude you know mm-hmm. uh, so like I, I remember watching his stuff and always loving amazing jonathan i actually thought he had passed away as well like that's because i remember when he announced he was sick and retiring and then I kind of forgot to do any like you know research to see if he actually lived or not. I just figured he was dying because he said he was. He's like, I have a year to live, so you know. So that's why I was really excited for this docu- these documentaries to come out, especially the Steve Byrne one. I hadn't heard about the uh, Ben Berman one until after this one. So yeah, I I remember hearing that there were multiple ones. I think I did also hear about the Steve Byrne one first and. It's funny that uh, that basically oh we can just get into this. I like that Hulu is basically the place that is just like oh we we'll do that too. Like we'll also do that. Like we'll have a fire documentary. Yeah. We'll also have an amazing mm-hmm. job documentary. Um, and they just go to Sundance with a bunch of money and like pick up uh, anything like. You know, this has been There's, the year they did that. But yeah. they did not commission There's, this. They just picked not commission. No, no, no. But they clearly, just bought it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Two million bucks, man. Two wow. million dollars. You can imagine the Hulu people at these festivals with like Hulu t- green T-shirts and lanyards and everyone's got a checkbook just walking around, you know, just like writing checks to directors and, and lucky filmmakers. And Berman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For. Yeah, dude. Well, he marketed it right. It was. It's such an interesting case study and in, in how to market and how to like have like enough like um, hubris and, and commotion around something that you can that people are really ex- they were really excited to watch. Apparently watch the premiere at Sundance like it was the thing to go watch at Sundance. Um, and how, how did he market it right? I, I know nothing about his marketing for this. It was, it was the it was the controversy. Basically, it was the controversy around it being the second documentary that was mm-hmm. coming out. And then him saying, like, hey, I got stepped on. Like, these big Hollywood hotshots came <laughs> in and swooped my yeah. little ragtag team of filmmakers that, you know, with can-do spirit. Uh-huh. And we took it to the man. And then 
then you watch his doc and you're like, and then it's like, wait, I, I'm not sure I, that's real. I'm not sure that's true. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. It's so interesting. Now I'm reading all these, um, like Steve Byrne has, I mean, if you go to right now, I'm even looking, if you go to the YouTube page of always amazing, the, I think the top comment is by it's pinned on the top. Steve Byrne gives a chronological history of kind of what happened and his feelings about what had happened. The other film crew not wanting to be part of Ben's doc, but still wasn't feeling that they were cheated basically and yeah. lied to. It's really interesting. Well, the, I mean, the, this the veracity of Ben Berman's documentary is all through the film. I kept thinking, wait a second. Uh, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Me too, dude. Once it, I mean, for me, it, it was when he introduced his mom who that, had exactly. been sick. The moment he's sitting on the bed reading that letter, and I said, this is a Nathan for you episode. <laughs> this, dude, that's perfect. Perfect. And he used yes. to work with Nathan. He, mm -hmm. They worked on John Benjamin has a van together. Mm -hmm. oh. He did not come at this innocent either. Mm -hmm. this, this did not come out of nowhere. Well, this is my take on this. I, having watched, firstly, so I, I watched Always Amazing, and like it was long, and I did not get all the way through it before I started watching this one. So I, I came back to that one after finishing this one. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was thinking about it. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, the background of Ben Berman is like all like alt comedy. Essentially. It's like Tim and Eric comedy, bang, bang, all like very meta stuff. I've mm -hmm. watched a couple like music videos he worked on later uh, or, or before this came out. And so, yeah, it is sort of like the pro the things that I think Paco doesn't like about it. I, I also, you know, I, there's things I thought were problematic about it on the level of like as a documentary, but then there's a level of comedy yeah. that it's doing where it's like, it's, it is like, what is the term that you use Paco? I mean, I think it's like, uh, instance, it's not the insincerity so much as like, it's, it's like being meta for the sake of being meta, I think is what it is. Maybe, but I mean, part of it, I think was finding a really good story because mm -hmm. The, the the point that illustrates this the most for me is at the very end of Always Amazing, they're showing, you know, the story is, look how great it is. He's on his final tour and everyone loves him. Mm -hmm. And they show that amazing uh, Hawaiian restaurant show where everyone is cheering and everything goes right and it's so beautiful. And then you look at the same show in Ben Berman's documentary. Oh, yeah. And he, instead of ending with that show as the climactic cheer moment, opens with that show as this horrible disaster where nothing is planned in advance. Everything goes wrong. Uh, uh, poor Jonathan is lying on a couch after the show, looking at the, the, watching the TV, saying, shut the fuck up. It'll get better. I promise it'll get better. And so this same event is shown in such two entirely different ways. Mm -hmm. Each of these filmmakers had their own story that they wanted to tell. And it's just how they write the scenes, how they write mm -hmm. the, the narrative between the scenes and intercut the, the uh, interviews. Mm -hmm. How did your meeting go with the other film crew? Uh, you know, to be honest, it's, it's interesting. I'm trying to, you know, suss it out. There's two documentary crews making a documentary with the same subject. Yeah. Um, well, the thing about it is, is they're huge. They're a huge company. I mean, fucking man on a wire. I, I wouldn't let them even be doing this if they weren't who they were. 
To be honest, I, I don't blame you for having this other documentary. I understand. And I understand what, what the second one would do for us. The second one being this one. This one was oh. first. First in yeah. the timeline, yeah. Yeah. But I think it should be second in release. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I, I did listen to an interview that Jonathan did uh, where he said the only things that that Ben kind of messed with was like, oh, there's like a moment where like they call his name and it seems like a long time before he comes out on stage. Yeah. And he's like, I'm dizzy. And he's like, I was dizzy, but I got on stage at the right time. So he kind of like... Everything's real, but he kind of played with the editing on that one. I was wondering yeah. about that. Yeah. So he and he said also the thing where the mic stand uh, hit the person in the audience. Yeah. Face. Yeah. He said that also had happened like he had done that uh, somewhere in L.A. and it had hit Dick Van Dyke in the head, which is he's just like it, that was like the the someone put the it wasn't in the clip tight enough. Like this, the the mic wasn't in the in the stand with the clip uh, at a tight enough tension or whatever, so it wasn't like intentional either. Uh, well, for that to happen. You don't think it's gonna intentional. be intentional? Not or? intentional, but like he's like, yeah, though that happened, but it wasn't like it wasn't like because I lost my abilities or whatever. Yeah, so. I think he lost his ability. He lost his. I mean, he's lost his ability Sorry, to stand for so long. I guess. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, like, yeah, you could speak to a little bit of like how much. Uh, how much like you know dexterity and things you need to like really how how physical is magic has to be like because you see a lot of old dudes doing magic yeah his magic I don't think you need that much dexterity mm-hmm. to do I mean snorting up the magic dust um, that mm-hmm. takes nothing more prop comedy really yeah I don't actually levels. know how he's doing a lot uh-huh. of this stuff so mm-hmm. I'm just guessing mm-hmm. but. But I would not think that he would need that much dexterity. It's not like he's doing these amazing, you know, cardistry shuffles or mm-hmm. um, doing slights with coins or small mm-hmm. objects. It's it's like yeah, more like literal prop comedy. Mostly. He's sucking yeah. blood out of yeah. a baby's skull or, mm-hmm. or stem cells, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which I loved. I mean, that, <laughs> that's yeah. just horrible, but. Yeah, that's awesome. So what, so uh, Andy, why, I mean, what drove you to start wanting to start a career in magic? Like what was your, what was the impetus to that? Uh, I'd never liked magic (laughs) my entire life. I had always thought, I grew up in England and for us magic was uh, Paul Daniels, who was a funny, older, bald guy who made corny jokes on TV. And to me, that was magic. And then I went to the Magic Castle. My wife took me to the castle and I said, holy cow, this is the most wonderful place I've ever been. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so it was either that, uh, just being seduced by the castle, or it was a midlife crisis. <laughs> and I, lean, I tend to lean towards the midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. It was either have an affair, buy a car, or start doing magic and turn into Job or the dad from Modern Family. <laughs> Uh, Phil. Well, you're also taking an improv class, so I think that's a different kind of mid- that's a related <laughs> midlife crisis. Yeah. So, what kind of magic do you do? Do you do like small stuff, like coins and cards, or like what's your angle? I do reenactments of CIA experiments from the 1950s in mind control and ESP. Um, you know, the, wait, what? Back in <laughs> the 50s, the CIA was was watching these experiments in ESP that were happening at Duke University. And they were just small experiments. Can people sense what is on the flip side of a card? And certain people would get, uh, you know, would, would look at five cards face down and choose the right one 20% of the time. Maybe you guys remember this from Ghostbusters with Bill Murray holding up the cards and giving people shocks. There were those experiments, but certain people could get it right 30 or 40% of the time consistently. And the CIA was watching these experiments and said, this is fascinating. I wonder if we can find people who do this. And they would um, do these wild, wild experiments, um, which led to them forming entire departments of psychic spies, based uh, some based out of Quantico, some based out of uh, uh, in Ohio, and these psychic spies would go into trances and do things like spy on uh, Saddam Hussein or um, try and find downed planes in Libya. Remote not viewing. Libya, That's remote, a remote viewing. viewing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in uh, the Congo, Zaire. Whoa. And, you know, sometimes it didn't work, but sometimes, sometimes it did. Like 2% of the time they had what they called uh, five martini results, five, eight, mart- eight martini results, which were so insane that the CIA handlers had to go out and have eight martinis just to, to process the information they had just been delivered. What? Mm-hmm. Um, you can read all about this in many, many books. Annie Jacobson's Phenomena is, is my favorite. Um, or The Men Who Stare at Goats is a very fun mm-hmm. uh, you know, bathroom reading book. Oh, wait, The Men Who Stared at Goats? Yeah, it was made into a really awful movie with George Clooney. John Ronson. Yeah, John Ronson's book. book. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so all of my magic is based on these experiments and trying to reenact these uh, Mm -hmm. experiments and showing how wonderful and exciting they were. Uh, Of course, I don't don't rely on ESP powers to uh, make them work. So, Andy, we met in San Francisco years ago. We did. And Paco is in San Francisco now. Currently, yes, yeah. and forever, basically. Uh, so what? You, when were you here, Andy? I don't I, think we crossed paths. I was there from uh, 96 to 2004, and I left to go make zombie movies. I came back <laughs> in 2009, no, 2014 maybe, to 2016. How, however, you made a documentary. You actually made a film and a documentary. I made Poultrygeist. I didn't even say the names of the film. Sorry, Poultrygeist: no. Night of the Chicken Dead, and the document oh which I produced, and the documentary Poultry in Motion: Truth is Stranger Than Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's so foul. <laughs> no, it's excellent. Oh boy, oh, that's that's amazing. I mean, there's so many people I know who have tried to make films and or a documentary who haven't done either. So that's awesome. 
So congrats on that. I didn't know Thank that you. that was your part of your history. That's very cool. Is that, and then, so you moved to LA to also make movies or? No. Yeah. After that, I moved to China to do government propaganda for a while. Um, <laughs> Uh, for, not for, not for our government. Yeah, they do. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, they they love their gong ba jiding. Um, so I, I worked in China for about three years uh, working for the Chinese government doing propaganda. What? Um, yeah, Paul, Paul Manafort okay. style. Oh, wow. uh, moved to India for a while to do video games. Beats music. Uh, Dr. Dre brought me out to San Francisco to help him launch Beats music. And then uh, after that sold to Apple, I came down to L.A. to um, become a magician. It's a circuitous <laughs> path. I'm shit, sorry. I don't dude. know if you kept track of This is why I was like, Andy, you, can you be on my podcast? Yeah, no, George was telling me about you. And I was like, well, let's just, I want to learn about it on, on the podcast. <laughs> but now I'm like, who is, I'm going to make a doc about Andy. Yeah. Plus you have another uh, gig you're doing right now. Uh your employer now. Are oh you, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I uh, one of yeah, I have a couple jobs, but one of my jobs is I work for um, former child Macaulay Culkin. Former we're, child. We're all former children. We are, but he, he is the one you've heard <laughs> the of. Most chill, the he most is. childish. Wait, 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 um, wait. Let's. We so, need so to I, pause I work, for a second. <laughs> what? You work for Macaulay Culkin. For Macaulay Culkin, uh, I both help him strategize in his digital media uh, ventures, including. The amazing bunnyears.com, which is a, a comedy website, much like The Onion or Cracked, but better than both. Um, what? Better than both put together. Better than The Onion? Better than The Onion. Bunnyears.com. Okay. Bunnyears.com, um, okay. And so help Mac uh, strategize with that. But I'm also Macaulay Culkin's personal in house magician. So sometimes <laughs> I go over there and <laughs> do magic at his. Uh, Breakfast Have table. you ever Please. gotten this reaction out of him? <laughs> That's uh, not going to play on a podcast. You, you, you guys no. can imagine what George is doing. Yeah, um, uh, are you? I no. hope that is. <laughs> are you telling the truth? Is that true that you're his in-house magician? Yeah, that's awesome. That goes beyond. So in one lifetime, you've met Dr. Dre and Macaulay Culkin. No, I've never met Dr. Dre. Oh. We've never actually oh. been you met in the Jimmy same Iovine, though. Jimmy, well, yeah, no, yeah, I don't no? know. No, you wouldn't Jimmy, you qualify that? Yeah. Jimmy, um, I had meetings in Atlanta, and, and we needed to get there urgently. And so Jimmy said, oh, I'll fly you there. So so Jimmy Iovine, this is the guy who discovered Dre and Eminem, who, I don't know who else, Meatloaf or someone, John Lennon. Uh Maybe not John Lennon. Uh, yeah, he, John he, yeah. he he flies us uh, flies us out there in his private jet, and there are three or four of us in the jet hanging out. And Jimmy never acknowledges me once. We fly both to Atlanta and from Atlanta, and he never says hello. At one point, uh, 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 a stewardess comes over to me and says, uh, "Excuse me, Jimmy would would like for you to move to a different seat. <laughs> he wants to sit where you're sitting." What? <laughs> no. No, on a private jet <laughs> a private where there's jet plenty with, of with seats. four people. Well, yeah, I'm sure it was a good seat. Maybe it <laughs> reclined in a certain way. Uh, You're in his seat. I was in his seat, and and he didn't ask. He he, he had a, page a flight attendant. Texted the stewardess, the flight attendant, oh my God. and she asked me to to move to a different oh seat. I'm sure he's a really nice guy, but but I've never truly met. That's him. hilarious. Wow. Do they give the same speeches for the exit rows and all that shit on a private jet with four people? Hell no. Do they? <laughs> no, no, no. This is, we're talking 2% life here, you know, 1%. Um, 
No, we we use our phones the whole flight. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. We're doing we're walking around. We're doing whatever we want. I knew the phone thing was a scam. Yeah, how can how can maybe could like. 200 people having their phones on bring down a plane? No, I think it brings down a cell phone tower. Oh, so okay. you have the the cell phone towers which get overloaded as mm. 200 people. Okay. okay. I think. Mm. But not at some four point, or five, yeah. At some point, they're just going to have you pay more to use your cell phone, probably. Mm-hmm. Like for oh, 50 I extra bucks. That. Oh, my God. The person next to you the whole way flying yeah. to, you know, India is on the Just phone. talking. Just talking and watching videos it's and being be the a jackass. Amazing Jonathan, you know it so, is. So I mean, Andy, let me. So I'm very intrigued now by you. I mean, I have been <laughs> not just now, but um, so what do you? What do you do? Like, what's your? What is your thing? I'm, it sounds I'm like you do so much. Media, media strategist, strategist. Huh, like a podcast might need. Yeah, huh? We might. <laughs> um, basically, I find ways to make your product better and to to help you find the right audience for your product. Um, it's been for companies as diverse as GameSpot, Macaulay Culkin, uh, the Chinese government propaganda <laughs> wing. Um, yeah, I got some problems with that one. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and chicken zombie movies, and comedy chicken, chicken zombie oh movies. Gosh, yeah. Where did, and so did you study this at all, or is this something you just created? Uh, I studied I, uh, media studies and cultural studies. Um, but it's basically product management. I mean, there is a job title for this. People do it. You're a product manager, aren't you, uh, No, okay. I'm not yet. <laughs> but it feels like, yeah, we got a lot of, we got a slack for this podcast. We got some now, Okay. Now it, the truth has revealed itself, Andy. Now I understand why you liked the other documentary more than <laughs> the burn one. Now it makes more sense to me. I think because like you're in... You're, I think the idea of it being not linear, more <laughs> abstract, like uh, a, like a fluid, um, a, a lot of a left product, turns. Yeah, a lot of left turns. I, I see. I can see now after just talking to you, like that's the way your mind works. Well, like I was thinking about who I would recommend the two documentaries to. Okay, I would recommend Amazing, Always Amazing, to everyone who is really interested in magic, stand up comedy. Or the amazing Jonathan, or male bonding, yeah, yeah, maybe, but not even that. Yeah, I mean that was so inconsequential. It was very, it was twenty minutes at the beginning and five minutes at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other documentary, um, what was Ben Berman's documentary it's called? called uh, the, the Untitled, amazing, or was called the, the Amazing untitled. Jonathan documentary? Yeah, the amazing Jonathan. Yeah, the um, formerly, Untitled, yeah, formerly Untitled. Yeah, um, that documentary. I would recommend to kind of anybody, anybody who wants an entertaining laugh. I mean, it's got all the, the, um, you know, uh, M night Shyamalan punches to the stomach that, that, uh, three identical strangers had, you know, where mm-hmm. you're constantly having the, the rug pulled out under you. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, another subplot I kept hoping would happen in the Steve Byrne documentary was, I wanted Joel and the, the first wife to have an affair. <laughs> for the, as yeah, soon yeah. as they started talking about, oh, they were best friends. I was like, mm-hmm. that's it. He didn't. He didn't molest jo- Joel. Joel stole his wife. Yeah. This is gonna be mm-hmm. great. Um, she she was a lot hotter than than Amazing Jonathan deserved. I think his first wife. What are you saying about his current wife? What are you saying about Anastasia? Now, have you guys read about Anastasia Sin? 
I did not know much about her. Someone referred she to her like as a performance cy- artist. Yeah, cyborg magician. What, what is that? Yeah, after after this year's um, what's a, what's the big hacker conference the in uh, uh, Vegas? I don't know what that is. I'm not that much of a product man- product manager. I don't know. So so there's the big this is sort of hacker conference that you have to buy tickets in cash, and not Bitcoin. Yeah. No, no, yeah. not Bitcoin because no one. Yeah, no one wants to be identified. Yeah, Yeah. and no one takes digital devices because everyone's going to try and hack them when when you're there. Oh, jeez. So she presented it this year because she has, I think, twenty two magnets embedded into her body. What? She she embeds magnets, (sighs) has them surgically implanted into her that she can use for magic and for other things. Oh, that's why she's a cyborg magician. Oh, so you're talking about DefCon? Is that the? Yes, thank you, DefCon. Um, oh my actually, god! Oh, 20, sorry, twenty-six microchips and magnets in her body. Oh my lord! Um, and I meant to reread this article. I oh, unrelated read about it a few weeks ago, and as I was watching the documentaries, thought, I think this is that same woman. Yeah, that's her. Um, and this is another thing that none of the documentaries covered that. That is such a fascinating story. Yeah, but she's a biohacker essentially. Yeah, is yeah. is a little. She's transhuman oh, for she's all a those who have okay, gotcha. who have watched years and years, mm-hmm. which I hope. And is she's everyone. fed up with Jonathan's that antics. That's a transhumanism documentary. No, years and years is a uh, uh, a, a drama on HBO. Oh, okay, uh, based on it. near future. It's like Black Mirror meets oh, okay. This Is Us. <laughs> and it was it went completely under the radar, and it's one of the best TV shows I've ever okay, seen. That's a good that's a good plug. We got a free plug for Bunny Ears and for Years and Years and Poultry Guys Night, of the, Chicken Guys, Dead, Night of the Chicken Dead, which, which I, you guys Amazon, should all go watch. Hopefully, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think actually now is just YouTube. Embarrassingly mm-hmm. enough, mm-hmm. it was on everything, and mm-hmm. now, hey, YouTube's one of the best catch-alls ever invented. So mm-hmm. at least it's on something. That's so she's a magnet inserting cyborg hacker yes of course she is mm-hmm. and she's also i meant i she's also fed up with fucking jonathan's bullshit let's just say <laughs> that, you know that moment the 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 steve burns documentary so you right? know, talked about their rosy marriage but then you get ben berman's documentary and jonathan's yeah. in the bathroom you know sitting on the toilet smoking, like, or, smoking, or smoking smoking uh meth yeah um and she's outside and she's like yeah, I'm fucked. Mm. Jonathan in there is saying, you're fucked. You, can, you don't have to do anything, you right. dumb Classic. bitch, or whatever he says. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> my God, this is horrible. Yeah. This you is haven't paid for anything in years. So embarrassing for her and humiliating. And who is this guy? And what is he doing in there? Why is he taking so long? <laughs> yeah. Well... Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's definitely sad, and it's like the the classic like I can do whatever I want because I'm rich and you don't have to work and do not enjoy your life because if you don't get the fuck out of here, you know. Um, she kind she of, even signed a prenup apparently that she doesn't get anything if they split up, which is oh I, I think that's fairly standard though. Yeah, in in, in that uh, he is he has mega a lot of rich money. world. He has like a ridiculous amount of money. How do you see guys, in the Sorry. In the Steve Byrne, wait, now I'm getting the two confused. In one of them, you don't realize how rich he is. I think it's the Steve Byrne documentary. You don't realize how big that house is and how rich um, Amazing Jonathan is. And in the yeah. Ben Berman one, he's like, this is where this is where Amazing Jonathan lives. And you're like, oh, yeah. fuck. The house is gigantic, you know? 
Now, um, how do you guys I, feel about about documentary filmmakers injecting them into the story the way Ben Berman did? I have some thoughts about that. I, I'm kind of a classic. I love my classic docs, like like mise-en-scene style of the like 90s and early 2000s. Where you don't hear from them and you don't see them. Mm-hmm. And there's very little information given. Like now everything's shoved down your fucking throat, you know, and you don't really have to think much. I'm not a big fan of it. I think there's times when... Um, it, they're necessary. Like when fucking Werner Herzog in, in uh, Grizzly Man's like, never listen to this tape, you know, and you see his shake, you know, like there are moments when it's fine, but I think overall I'm, I'm not a fan. You don't like the personality to be in there as much. Yeah. I, 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 this is a kind of, that's one thing about this film. This is the left turn. It takes very uh, suddenly in this film is how much it becomes Ben Berman's story. I'd say it's just 50% Ben's Berman story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who, where well, where did you, this come from? Is this like, did Nick Broomfield start this or? Oh, putting yourself in. in yeah, the making the film much? more about yourself. Kind of. I would TV? say, um, I would say fucking Morgan Spurlock. I mean, you know, um, or Michael like sort of, Moore. There's sort of like essay type, you know, documentary. Yeah, I mean. That's more like the, artsy, I guess. More like yeah. Like film I, documentary. Because Michael Moore has been in all of his docs, you mm-hmm. know, he narrates all of them. He's usually in them at some point, you know, he's early on. It was more like Alfred Hitchcock style where you just kind of see Michael Moore <laughs> walking through a corporate office. But like now he's in like a lot of it. But I mean, I think it's always kind of been there. But now it's like it's 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 big. It's like it's what documentary filmmakers kind of want. I think I think people like to see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what do you? What about you, Andy? What do you how do you feel about that? I mean, I, I, I like it because it, it tears down that fourth wall. It. It reminds the viewer that a documentary is not just happening there on the screen. It's it, the filmmaker is there. The filmmaker is changing the story somewhat. Yeah. Um, every time the filmmaker is interviewing the subject, something is changing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the butterfly is flapping its wings and affecting things. Mm-hmm. Let me let me po- let me position this question to you guys if you were making a documentary and you found out there was another documentary film crew involved what would you do would you quit would you go ahead would you stomp and and fight would you take them to court like what i mean i feel like i would not do it if i showed up to someone's door hey i'm here camera they're like come on in the other documentary film crew is taking a break i'd be like peace whatever you know I had this wow. happen. I was making a documentary. <laughs> oh, <fuck>. in... <laughs> I love you, I mean, Andy. I, 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 feel, awesome. I feel like this happens a lot. And Lloyd Kaufman uh, is, you know, he has five or six documentaries being made by, about him right now. And each documentary has a different level of seriousness or, or level of commitment to it. But you could say six, probably a dozen, actually, wow. including ones, you know, if if you go with Ben Berman's four, you know, ones that have been started and never f- completed or, or released. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was making a documentary where uh, when I was living in New York, I started casting a net out looking for a cult leader or, or a guru to start a new religion oh. and that I would finance and I would follow them as they made the documentary. And someone, someone later took this idea and Is made it into Kumare. Kumare. You so know that you oh, a couple you years know, yeah. no okay. a couple yeah. years after um, my project, Kumari did his, and mm. that was amazing. That was wonderful. But mine was supposed to be serious. It was 
we did interviews for, for real gurus and wanting someone who really would start a religion from the ground up and just needed a little bit of money or a little bit of a push to make it happen. And after I found this guru, all of a sudden other people started wanting to make documentaries about him. And they thought, oh my God, this idea is great. I want to make a short five minute film about him. And so I would, I didn't know what to do. And mm. I let them do it because I, this guy wasn't my property. Um, right. Joshua Bowden, this guru, uh, amazing, um, you know, comedian and, and thinker, he was putting himself out there. So why not give him the opportunity to, to promote his cause as much as he wanted? But I would have to watch these people interviewing him and I would uh. film them interviewing him and I didn't know what to do. I felt it made me feel insecure and nervous. These people are stealing my thunder. They're going to do a better job than me. Um, so you related to that in this, watching this. Show, I really sure. did. Yeah. But at the same time, I also discounted it because the Lloyd Kaufman experience thinking, as soon as I realized that these guys had not made Man on, Man on Wire um, or Searching for Sugarman, as soon as that point, I was like, oh, it's just another bunch of, you know, generic nobodies with a camera. Mm -hmm. Or actually like someone who does have a, a, you know, a show business career, but it is not in documentary, right? Steve Byrne is a very successful comedian and actually had a TV sh a sitcom that he made. Sullivan Shins. Yeah, yeah, so he's he's successful, but not in documentary oh, I had world. No idea. Yeah, that would be intimidating, oh, yeah. actually, mm -hmm. to be a comedian yeah. and have another comedian because Ben Berman is sort of a comedian, and have another comedian. Or yeah. in he's the in the comedy world, world. comedy world, right? and then yeah. have a successful yeah. comedian who I'd not heard of. But well, like let's let's pose it like this: Steve Byrne is a comedian, very successful. Had a, a show that he wrote and starred in Sullivan and Sons that ran for like three years. Uh, he's been involved in comedy for a long time, and he wanted to write, basically make a love letter to a guy uh, that he grew up lo loving a lot, Amazing amazing Jonathan, and also opened for in the early 90s. How did this not be the film? Well, this is yeah, the he, film he I want to see. Put himself in that, maybe he should have put himself in there a little bit more. Instead maybe, of having Joel be not. the proxy for his... Or I maybe have no idea. Yeah. No, right. That's well, such or, a beautiful story. Yeah, so he heard that Amazing Jonathan was dying and was like, fuck, I love this guy. I, uh, I've always looked up to him, and I, he also opened for him for, uh, in comedy clubs and was like, I want to make uh, a documentary about him before he passes away. And then shows up and finds out that there's already been other documentary film crews and feels like he was like, all right, I'm going to be in my little corner and then feels like he got lied to and pushed around and was deceived. By Jonathan by, or by both? By both. Ben. Kind of, I think more Ben oh, yeah. than Jonathan. Um, and at the end, he basically was like, I, I don't hold any ill feelings towards Jonathan or Ben. It's just like, I just didn't want it to get warped like what I was doing. So it kind of puts it in perspective a little I bit. I wish you know? he had watched Paul Williams Still Alive and copy. I don't know if you guys have seen I this. I do not know this film. This is, uh, Paul Williams is my favorite singer-songwriter. Oh, yeah, yeah, you, Paul You guys Williams. know him. Yeah, 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 from like oh, the yeah. Muppet Show. I've film. seen, yeah. Yeah, I've seen Still Alive. Um, and, and that film is such a moving documentary of, or document of one man's love for a cult figure and his following this cult figure as the cult figure is trying to reinvigorate his career. Mm. And not to suggest anyone should go out and copy other, other you know, works of art, but right. he totally should have copied that one. That would be great. <laughs> yeah. 
It was, that's a great doc. I, I remember the plush room. I, uh, you see Paul Williams uh, performing in the plush room in that documentary. One of my favorite weird ass theaters in Is San Francisco. San Francisco, the small, uh, it's her red velvet. Yes, that dude. Beautiful. I've never heard it of was, it or been there. I tried to do a monthly comedy show there um, in the mid 2000s. They were into it. Uh, I had a guy I wanted to be my like my focus for it. Uh, Kasim Bentley, if you guys know Kasim. Oh, yeah. Um, He's been and it on just the show, yeah. Yeah, it all just kind of went downhill. But the plush room closed, unfortunately, but it's an awesome fucking mm. venue. And that doc is great. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that doc. Because Paul Williams, I, when I was growing up, you'd see him on the Muppet Show and be like, who is this guy? Like, 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 and what, in Smokey and thing? the Bandit and just in weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, I had, right. like, he, he when, I, when watching that film, I felt like I had made it. It I wept through the whole film. Oh, that guy's um, thing, yeah. Because growing up, I was obsessed with Paul Williams. Uh, <laughs> Bugsy Malone, Phantom of the Paradise, Muppet movie. I had all the albums oh, on right. vinyl Phantom and still do. Yeah. Um, and great stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Uh, I mean, so, yeah, so there's a little... So I don't know what like Ben's um, catalyst, his desire to make the amazing. I've ne- I haven't read yet what was his motivating factor, yeah. other than he was probably a big fan and heard mm-hmm. that he was dying as well. But he started his doc two years prior, mm-hmm. like he started in 2014, I think before the announcement. Ben, ben Berman did. Yeah, he started early. Like uh, um, the film leaves all that out. It, yeah, it, it's it says it yeah. opens with. I love how the first four minutes of Ben Berman's film are basically the first 60 minutes of Steve <laughs> Burns' film. Right. And yeah. it, you know, the first four minutes, at four at the four-minute mark, you get that Ed X or what, what, I don't know what that it, event Whatever is. his talk he was doing. Yeah. yeah. I only recognized one magician in the audience, so I don't mm. think it was a magic mm. talk, but, but I don't know. It's a Vegas talk. No, I'm, I'm wrong. It's uh, 26. He started in 2016. Okay, so two years um, after. He said... Yeah, he was like, I was working on a Comedy Central pilot with a younger magician, the host of the show that actually never came to be. And he and his writer friends were also in the magic scene. We're talking about the amazing Jonathan. And they mm. mentioned he was unfortunately dying. Um, and he thought, oh, this could be a great short film or a 15 to 20 minute doc of an older magician confronting mortality with emotion and humor. So, you know. It's interesting I guess how, it's- how that happens. Like that reminds me of Capturing the Freedmen's, which yeah. started as the, the Silly Billy documentary. And yes. quickly, you know, pivot yes, into something dude. totally different. Mm-hmm. Dude, I, I, those are my favorite kind. And Capturing the Freeman is one of my top 10 favorite docs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to watch and it's, uh, you know, a bizarre it's not a fun film. story. Mm-hmm. No, it's not fun. But documentaries, I mean, at this point, I feel like kind of documentaries are getting to be like candy. Like mm-hmm. they're just like so many, just like they're, there's not a lot of substance anymore. I mean, there there are still some with lots of substance. Don't get me wrong, but they're now I feel like there's so many docs now. They're like like they're easily digestible. Can I can I sort of focus in like on something about this film that I I sort of started thinking about as we're having this discussion is like what are because like all these other films they're like these more you know dramatic uh, sad subjects. Like what are the stakes of the of both of these films? You think like the stakes in uh, Ben Berman's film versus Steve Burns' film. Well, that's a really good question. Because mm-hmm. I feel like, I th- is are they both, uh, is Ben Berman's very low stakes because it's just about like the ego of this guy who's probably going to be fine in his career, uh, which is Ben. Uh, and then in Steve Burns, it's like, it is about like trying to do right by someone and like sort of present their life in the best light you can. It's a good question. I don't know if the, the stakes... I mean, I guess what you're saying is like, what is the ultimate 
take on this or something? Or like, but- like why does why? Okay, so for like for Ben for the Hulu film, right? Um, like you have to want to be rooting for Ben to succeed somehow for this to keep going, or you're just watch or you're enjoying watching the train wreck, right? That's kind of what he turns the film into. Well, like I think like Andy was saying earlier, it's the slipping of the rug. Like each time he's like documentary film crew three, Mm -hmm. you know, you're just like this. This is so fucked up. Like it's like you just expect a regular documentary and then you're like, holy shit, there are so many twists and turns to this. And like also it's like then you start to be like, are we in a house of mirrors? Is amazing Jonathan orchestrating this entire thing? Mm -hmm. Is Ben, did Ben script this to be a bizarro comedy mockumentary? Right. That's a question that I was having when I was watching. Yeah. What the fuck is going on? And I think. I think in um, Steve Burns' documentary, it's it's kind of like a it's a love letter to a guy that he grew up loving and a guy mm-hmm. that he admires more than it's like a a a, a, bi- a, bi- right. a biography. It's linear something. both in like its presentation and its like goals, I guess. And then like Ben's is like trying to be as la- it's not that it's trying to be layered. It's like I got to respond to all these layers by then like well I'll smoke meth with you. I'll right. I'll start filming the other crew. I'll start you know like everything that like if you and he's from this school of probably more like you know when I think of like heightening things like in like the bizarre bizarre world of like a comedy bang bang or something. It's all about just like heightening the layers of absurdity. And when right. I well, look at like a, 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 a music video that Ben Berman made, it's it was like taking a riff on like the it's a music video that takes place in the in the Google Street View. So it's like basically like uh, it's very meta in that way. And then it keeps getting more and more abstracted and more meta. I'm like, oh, yeah, this makes sense that he comes from this sort of Tim and Eric school of thought. Um, so, but like like you kind of have to root for him somewhat uh, to, to get something out of this process for, to, you know, be invested in the story. Otherwise, why would you just not get so annoyed? You're not, you're annoyed with him, but you're still just like, I want to see what happens. I guess that's maybe like the takeaway that we all had from this film. Right. Do you think Ben Berman wanted us to take him seriously or wanted us to think this was a joke? Like with the mother stuff, Paco, you and I both felt at that point, this is all scripted. This is all fake, but did he want us to feel emotionally torn and and feel a real connection to him and just failed well, to to have that impact i think he did just in, so that you can keep the documentary going i mean you have to throw those hooks out there for people so that people will still keep watching i mean if it is really true that he was locked out by the amazing jonathan who wouldn't return his phone calls remember it was like hey this is me hey amazing jonathan you've got my phone you know mm-hmm. um they they show him like basically growing a beard yeah. And like little, like a Completely. montage of him. Um, and during that, I, even that part, I was like, I don't believe this. I don't quite believe but, this. But was it like Catfish real. where the, he wanted you to believe? You know, because Catfish, mm-hmm. I also believe, you know, misled the viewers mm-hmm. entirely. But Catfish, they retained the seriousness. Whereas a Nathan For You episode, you're always in on the joke. You know, mm-hmm. he's messing with, with us. Well, you and don't. Them. Si- I think you. I think he plays on the fact that people sit down to watch a documentary to be emotionally involved. You don't watch Nathan for you to be emotionally involved. You watch it for some for some laughs, oh, but not for the, the last Nathan for you. Or it's pretty emotionally and involved. And not for for smoke. No smoking. That was pretty emotionally involved. Is that is that the John Benjamin thing? Uh, that was the Nathan for you episodes where he has the the play in the theater. Oh yeah, but it was yes, just yes, a bar yes. allowing people to smoke. <laughs> 
I, I do remember and this. And yeah, yeah. he's uh, rehearsing with a woman and says, no, say, say that I love you line over again. And it's like seven minutes of her oh. just saying, I love you over and over. And <laughs> tears, tears are streaming down oh, my cheek. Yeah. Because his character I mean, so needs love. I, I think most of those guys in the that scene are emotionally detached, usually from their stuff. But I think in, for a documentary and to keep viewers watching, you have to throw that kind of so that kind. That's of what I mean in. by the alt comedy thing, right? It's like right. not personal, even though it's deeply. No. It has the affectation of per, being personal, right? Well, that's why I was saying it's insincere. Like mm-hmm. earlier and before we started recording, I I just felt like Steve Burns was sincere and Benz was insincere. That's mm-hmm. how I felt it on a very base level. You know, especially when he hires the actor in Toronto to go in and ask the question. <laughs> That's you know? very Nathan. Like, that was so, Nathan for you. That, that was, was completely. So yeah. yeah. And and this and let, let me just be ultimately clear. I loved watching Ben's documentary. I thought it was very entertaining. Mm-hmm. I laughed. Yeah. I thought it was, and I I liked it a lot. I just. I I just love documentaries and I don't want to be fooled. I don't want them to be like, aha, gotcha. Unless it's like Jonathan at the end being like, aha, gotcha, you fuckers. And I'll be like, oh, okay, yeah. Actually, this kind of was like a Jonathan prank. It was, yeah. Jonathan pranking his doctor, you know. Right. Ben is pranking Exactly. I mean, that's uh, Jonathan apparently pranks people all the time. When Ben first showed up to Jonathan's house, knocked on the door, there was no answer, knocked again, and Jonathan shows up in a, in a um, walker. And Ben's like, oh, fuck, he's more sick than I really thought. And he's like, hey, are you okay? And then Jonathan throws the walker. And he's like, ha ha. Like, fuck <laughs> that's you. That's so Willy Wonka. That's, that's it, correct. <laughs> it is Willy Wonka. Oh, Holy shit. A Willy Wonka that smokes meth. So that's awesome. I wanted to bring this in to you guys to hear. I have not even read this myself yet, but uh, there is a open mic uh, comic that I am familiar with who saw me post about this on Facebook. And this is a message he sent me. I was the guy that Joel replaced when he came from Australia as a teenager. I was pretty much done with AJ by that time because of the endless insanity. And my response was exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. (laughs) So this guy basically was building the props for Jonathan being his selling the magic kits. Uh, I think it's before the kits and stuff. Just the guy he's he, cause I talked to him a long time ago and he's like, yeah, I used to be like a fabricator for this this guy. uh, He's known his name. His stage name is go. Um, people around LA know who this guy is. So, uh, I asked him if he would let me read some of these messages on the podcast. So he said, yeah, go ahead. Uh, so much stupid shit. His wife called me on the night he was going to kill himself. (laughs) I ended up having oh. to go over there, but by the time I got there, the cops were gone, and he was acting like nothing had happened. Sure fucked with Joel's head, though he was like 17, I think. And I said, do you mind if I mention this on my podcast? Feel free, George. He has to be one of those magnanimous connivers on the planet. And I was like, wow. You got any more wow. to say? I'm like, does he really have... And I, You know, at the time he I was... Really, he, he's yeah. angry still. I mean... Yeah, or he's see, having fun. Yeah. Well, so it's like, like, do you think he's really sick? Does he really have the cardiomyopathy? I, I think we all think that he does. Uh, Go says, he is absolutely sick with heart disease. My roommate for 20 years is still one of his best friends and was the best man at his wedding to Anastasia. He still, he had to have gallons of liquid drained out of his heart, had his, had his toes amputated. Ooh, yeah. One thing was interesting to me was that he hasn't gotten a heart transplant. I'm not sure if there are other mitigating circumstances or if it's that he won't get off the meth long enough. I think the reason right. he has defied the odds and is still alive is that he doesn't have to do jack shit. When he got sick, he said he could either hire a full-time nurse or get married. His wife does everything for him. He is rich as fuck oh. and has pretty good health care. 
Also, he is willful as fuck. He works his nurse huh. like a mule. So that's his wife that he works as a mule. And yeah, wow. and her career as her, I, I mean, she served his assistant on some of these comeback shows, right? Uh, I don't know what's going on with her career. It seems like she's full time, has to take care of this dude. Um, right. That's kind of sad. Hard. He yeah. seems ne- needy from the documentary. Yeah, Joel's not uh, around to help him as much. I guess Joel was opening th- for him on the last tour, but yeah. yeah. Oh, right, yeah. right. Uh, Joel Osborne. Mm-hmm. With right? a Z. Is it? Yes, Joel Osborne. Oh, with, with the Z. Z, which apparently he changed. Like being. Oh, because he's Aussie. Yeah. Because he's Aussie. Being Osborne with an S wasn't nearly like <sighs> exact enough. So he changed it to a Z. Z which is I a very magical word, letter you want to yeah. have involved. Yeah. Also, can we just take a moment to just say how cute Jonathan's mom is? Ah, uh, yeah, she's she's, she's great. She's, yeah, apparently she's, she's adorable. Yeah, she's having. Uh, I don't know if she has a technical diagnosis. He said in an interview that she is has memory loss, so she he can show her both films all the time, and she's like, "Oh, this is a new film. This is a new film." Oh, oh yeah, she likes seeing herself in the film. She was like, "Well, he smoked a lot of pot." That's <laughs> 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 awesome. I, I, the Ben Berman birthday party scene was so heartwarming. Jonathan's so excited with the news. I don't want to you know, go into the news because oh, if you guys care about spoilers. Well, we, we assume that you've watched. Uh, spoiler alert now. Uh, please skip ahead five seconds. When he gets <laughs> the new producer on, he's so excited. And just yeah. he's like, finally, I've got some some fame. Some, some people will notice me finally. Mom. Look mm-hmm, at this. Mm-hmm. That was so well, that's sweet. Like, yeah, you can tell Jonathan's always shoveling for more to be more special. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not Me special too. enough that he's like a, a billionaire. <laughs> yes, right. My like, poor I mean, we're, damn the three wife. of yes, yeah. the three of us are comedians and in the entertainment business. So like being special is what is a driving force, and we can't get enough. But that is a very sweet scene. And I have to also mention that earlier I I tweeted that uh, we were going to do this interview today with you, Andy. And I said uh, I still oh, hope geez. to someday talk to Steve Byrne. And Steve Byrne just tweeted to me anytime. So. So we're preempting this episode, Uh just like we had booked another interview and then you're the second interview and now we're going back to the first interview and that's the one that's, one will be on Patreon, one will be, no, just kidding. You're you're definitely (laughs) coming No, no. We're just going to do a three-parter. Go with Steve Byrne. Maybe I'll talk to Go also. No, no, we're obviously (laughs) not going to cut you out. I like to make you work for it, Andy. You got to work for it. I keep thinking you're referring to Go Nakamura. Oh, yeah, another guy that we both know. Yeah, The amazing Elliot Smith-esque singer-songwriter from San Francisco. I keep picturing him working for, for the amazing yeah, genre. Yeah. <laughs> that would be, a, 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 you know, this is also a go that plays a guitar, though. So yeah, it's a different different go altogether. But I would, I mean, ultimately, the, the big get for Sup Dog Podcast was to have Ben and Steve sit with you and I. Oh, my God. And, oh, and wow. just hash it out, man. We just need to hash this out. So, Ben, if you're listening, <laughs> Steve, if you're listening, we might even tweet this. Like, let's just get the four of us in a room mm-hmm. and just have a good talk. And maybe Amazing Jonathan will be our only audience. Or we'll have Andy there as well. And, and he, can can pull, he can pull some coins and out go. of their ears. And yeah. Joel. Yeah. We'll just oh, we'll shit. just turduck in this whole this <laughs> discussion. It, yeah. it, it'll be so healing for everybody. It'll be so good for everybody. Oh no, the chainsaw and, guy. The chainsaw guy is making oh, the third dock. That's who we need to bring The chainsaw in. guy. But can I just talk about the, the choice so sweet. Ben Berman made for the voice 
of the other film crew. Because he puts those filters on oh, their voices yeah, yeah, yeah. and they sound, it's like, put the lotion in the back. I can't do that <laughs> voice, but but it's their serial killer voices. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. so creepy. Mm-hmm. That, pixelated. And it's like really when someone says, don't scary. put me in your film and you pixelate, it's like, it's not the same. And, it's and like, I don't want to be in your voice. film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, so weird. That, that was cruel, heartless. Steve, I feel for you, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. After, after, you know, I ripping mean, on your the fact that he put his dad through watching that footage of his mom and then oh, filmed his dad crying. Right. Oh, I was like, I was like about what that. a dick. That was <laughs> Please come on the show, Ben. What a dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, why not? Hey, we're, it's, uh, you know, everyone has their opinion, man. Um, so, so let's just tie this up a little bit. So, Andy, if you're, you you said you would recommend, what was your recommendation scale again for us? Well, for these if two you're going to watch the two document two documentaries, I would definitely watch Steve Burns first on YouTube. Yeah, that's what and I did. And then just because I didn't know who the amazing Jonathan was, mm. and mm-hmm. coming into the Ben Berman documentary, those four minutes were really concise at the beginning, mm-hmm. but I loved having the full hour of, of who he was. Mm-hmm. Um, but the recommendation scale, I preferred the Ben Berman documentary just because it was a story for anyone, whether they're interested in magic or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Right, well, I think like the, you get more of what the act is in Steve Burns documentary. It's more faithful to, you know, showing the act and everything like that. So, uh, which is what, you know, what, that's kind of missing a little bit in the Ben Berman doc. I don't think there's as much of the actual gags and stuff. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Gotta cast this dog. Gotta cast this dog. Um, okay, what do you got? What do you got for this doc? Cast this doc. Well, personally, I wanted to see the documentaries done with entirely the OC cast <laughs> playing all the roles. So, so uh, uh, Ben McKenzie playing the amazing Jonathan, yeah, Ryan okay, Atwood, okay, yeah. Uh, Ben Berman, or Joel would be played by Adam Brody, oh, who yes. played Seth Cohen. Yes. Uh, oh right. Rachel Bilson, uh, Summer would be Anastasia Kim. Okay. Uh, Burnett, yeah. And uh, Misha Barton would play the mom. Oh, weird. <laughs> but but I, I, then I went back and thought more about. It. I think Charlie I think Peter Day, Gallagher should be in there somewhere. Peter oh yeah, Gallagher Peter Gallagher just as every role. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I, I, I think Charlie Day would do a really good Amazing Jonathan. I also think Woody Harrelson would, would be strong. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could see the Woody Harrelson. As the Amazing Jonathan? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The I hair loss period, yeah. Uh, you know, he can do those great eyes. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's like um, what's the bowling movie he did? <laughs> oh, Kingpin. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh. I had um, d- d- uh, David Coulier. Okay. Um, for the amazing Jonathan, just yeah. just for looks, not for like acting ability, and uh, um, Jason Schwartzman as Ben. Oh Berman. yes, Jason okay, yeah. I knew Ben Berman reminded me of someone, and I couldn't work out who. But I think I think you're right with the Jason Jason Schwartzman. Okay, we're not overlapping at all. I only I couldn't think of anyone for Jonathan, but I thought for Ben Berman, Chris O'Dowd. Uh, oh, in every yeah. interview I've seen with him, I'm like, oh, it's just Chris O'Dowd, pretty much. With a beard, yeah. and um, right. for uh, Joel uh, Eric Banna, I think it was or, like or commented Eric on how much son. he looks like Eric Banna. Eric Banna yeah. and Eric Banna's son is, is Eric the, Banna's son an actor? I don't know, but Cla- he looks just like Eric Banna, yeah. Klaus Klaus Banna. He's mm-hmm. the right age for the young Jonathan, uh, young Joel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't think of oh, it. I can't think of anyone to do Jonathan for some reason. How about uh, Fruza Balk as um, oh. Anastasia Sin? That I would love to see her in something. Yeah, that would be great. Or oh, oh oh shoot! I just I can't think of this actress's name. I, she just popped in my head, but um, never. It's um. Uh, uh, what what she been in? What's the, what's the context? I love this. Is a fun part of the game where I just guess what Paco's thinking. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Oh, it's like I'm Sienna, using my psychic test right now. Sienna Miller. Selena, Sienna Miller. Selena. Huh. Sienna Miller. Does that sound right? It sounds like Selena. um Selena Gomez. She's. It's Selena Gomez. Four space. Four no. space. Oh. Fuck! What's her name? She was no. She's. I know she's actually from Detroit, which is oh, kind of weird. Okay. Um, and she just announced, I think, that she has like MS or something. She just announced oh. that she has some horrible disease. Who, who, um, I can't think of what her name is who, right now. Unfortunately, I, I remember someone very famous just saying she had MS. I, I also vaguely remember this, but uh, you know, it'll be in the show notes. <laughs> we'll have to just throw that in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll just have to put that in. That's I can't. Okay. Anyway, so um, one thing we like to do are, here are they, are they making ask, are they making a film of this? Do we know? I, ma- I imagine that is after Jonathan sells his memoir. That's yeah. when because when we're talking about like who who owns the rights to this sort of story, usually if it's like if someone had written like a book or like a long journalistic piece, there might be someone that person gets product producer credit or something. But in this case, there's no no text. To base it off. So I guess it's just whatever Jonathan, whoever Jonathan is okay with yeah. working on things. Uh, Paco, you're going to do uh, the picture doc game? Uh, oh, yeah, we can do. Yeah, I was, no, was going to do the uh, biography questions, um, but it's Selma Blair. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah she'd she be would perfect. be great. She would be perfect. And also there the sad that she has uh, been diagnosed with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, we also like to do a thing to kind of get to know you and what you're interested in. We obviously learned a lot about a lot of you have a lot of interests, but is there something that you would like to see made into a doc or maybe a project you would take on to make a doc? Yeah, there, there are two religious documentaries I'd really like to see. One is uh, mm. the, the there's a book called Monkey on a Stick, Murder and Madness in the Hare Krishnas mm. that came out maybe in the late 70s. And it's the story of. Prabhupada, the, the founder of American Hare Krishna, coming to America and starting this religion. It started, you know, very peace and love and hippie-ish. But then they built this encampment, this base in West Virginia, up in the mountains. 
and it was going to be the largest ISKCON or Hare Krishna city in the world. And they started doing LSD to induce bigger trances. And they started stockpiling guns in case they got raided. And it's very much like wild, wild country. Um, But it's also got this amazing ending where where the the leader of the Philadelphia Hare Krishna uh, church, ISKCON church, comes in basically on a white horse with the ATF and leads the ATF in to raid Kirtanananda's compound. And Whoa. they send Kirtanananda off to jail for many years, but but he's doing sex sex trading, or running a, a sex trade, gun running, drug running, and it's it's so dark and devious. But in this world of of great hope and hippie love and light, um, maybe Wild Wild Country covers all the same ground. Mm-hmm. That's one, and the other one is is the story of Benjamin Cream or Krem. Um, a British man, uh, a Scottish actually, uh, he recently passed away. I, I was very sad, but I went to see him in New York in 2008, I guess. And he spoke to a lecture hall full of people and, and channeled Maitreya, the next coming of the Buddha, and spoke for, for two hours in this very slow way. And, and it was really weird. I met with him afterwards and he's just this really nice, he was in his eighties at the time guy who said back in 59, the Buddha started sending him audio cassettes or they were real to real tapes actually. And telling him he needed a spokesman. And so this guy was like, no, I'm not the Buddha. I'm just his, his like marketing guy. And he started doing lectures around the world and has this huge following, but not for his religion, but for the Buddha, who this guy is just a mouthpiece for. Wow. And he has the, all these amazing, wonderful stories. Uh, he's a character in um, uh, uh, The Yes Man, uh, the, the story yeah. of um, whatever the guy's name is, who just went around saying yes for, for a year of his life. Mm, okay, okay. Um, yeah. I can't remember I his name now. One, yeah. um, but, but yeah. Those would be the two documentaries. That sounds great. Those would be awesome. I would watch those. George, do you have any uh, pitching docs? Uh, I was thinking that maybe just because we're talking about Ben Berman so much that there could be a really good documentary about David Berman who just passed away recently from Silver Jews. Um, I didn't know a lot of his story. I was hearing a lot of people recounting stuff about him. There was apparently like a lot of an interview he did like maybe in 2012 or something that people cited a lot. I mean, he had a lot of drug addiction issues and he was basically like in the kind of class of like the pavement school of indie rock, but a super literary songwriter that I think would be great to have, uh, you know, a posthumous documentary about. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Awesome. I don't really, I mean, I, I posted one the other day on our, Oh our my Slack God, channel. that you have to talk about that really quickly. Uh, this is a crazy story, but I'm, <laughs> these parents adopted a Ukrainian daughter. Oh yes. Yes. Who yes, was yes, nine, yes. who has ended up actually being a, someone with dwarfism yeah. who is 22 years old. And she tried to kill them um, on various occasions. But they all came out because they were in jail for child neglect. Yes. Right. They, because they, because they left. They fucking took off. Her parents left and moved to Canada. I think they're in Indiana. Get away from moved her. 
to get away from her, and then they were charged with child neglect, <laughs> but she was 22. This story is just amazing. But but what is the phenomena? I also want to see a documentary about the phenomena of people pretending to be abandoned children when they're basically middle-aged adults. Right. Um, there's also the chameleon uh, a story from the New Yorker, but it's also a documentary, The Imposter, I think the it's Imposter. called. Imposter, yeah. And yeah. I mean, oh. th- that guy who's a 35-year-old guy who's bald and pretending to be a 17-year-old boy. Um, <laughs> and pulled it off. And pulled it off. Who are these And they're people? like, well, our son had br- uh, brown hair and brown eyes. He had blonde hair and blue eyes. But, you know, Eye we color figured... color changes what the f- from trauma. Yeah. That's... <laughs> the imposter. That's like the like 10th our 10th episode or something that we third did. Episode, yeah. That or article third in the New Best. Yorker, The Chameleon, is my favorite mm-hmm. New Yorker. I think David Gran wrote it. Yeah. Favorite New Yorker article ever. Yeah. Right. This is um, like kind of like an inverse mommy dead and dearest, you know? Like right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right, That's exactly yeah. right, man. All right. So, Andy, let me ask you, what's your hometown? Uh, Nashville. Well, I was born in Nashville, Tennessee. Grew up in Bowling. Sorry. Parents are from Bowling Green, Kentucky. But I grew up in London, England. A uh, person you are most mistaken for. When I lived in China, every day someone would ask me if I was related to Nicolas Cage. Um, <laughs> Ethan Embry is probably who I'm most oh, mistaken for. Oh, yes. Yes, Ethan. Especially balding Ethan Embry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what is your dark secret? Uh, the magician, come on. You no, know, I, 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 I shat my pants um, while golfing <laughs> in North Korea. Whoa! Um, in, you were in North Korea and playing we golf. Another, we got to do a follow-up interview. Shooting golf balls into the Pyongyang River, and during a swing, that the, the noodles I'd had for lunch kind of uh, caused they some came. trouble. Right on, awesome. What is your pet peeve? One of your pet line peeves. jumpers, a pet peeve. People jumping in line. Oh Hate fuck that. yeah, Hate dude. That. Um, what do you, you never like someone never who made a tr- film before someone else? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just talking about the coffee shop, movie yeah, theater. Yeah. What do you never travel without? Uh, playing cards, tissues, tissues, blowing my nose. Oh, right on. Cards. Do you have pets? I have a dog named Chop Suey, a one eyed uh, uh, Chinese street mutt, mm. half Pekingese, oh, half awesome. uh, uh, Shih Tzu. Speaking of shit, uh, what is your biggest regret? Oh, that's the last hard. hour. <laughs> <laughs> not not discovering magic when I was ten and had a lot more time. Right on. And uh, lastly, who is your celebrity crush? Oh, Kieran Knightley. No flea bag. Flea bag. Oh, Phoebe, Phoebe Waller Bridge. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Interesting. And they're similar. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, man, this has been awesome, Paco, It's been great getting you. to know you. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Where can people can find you on the uh, Bunny Ears? Or on Bunny Ears on Twitter, Twitter at yeah. Andy Deemer. Um, mm-hmm. Instagram, Andy.Deemer. D-E-E-M-E-R. Yeah. Will you be performing at the Magic Castle I perform soon, there or? weekly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try and do at least one show a week, uh, a couple shows a week. If you come to L.A., uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, you got to get an invite to the Magic Castle. That's the whole secret. Yes. You um, got to find a, get to know a magician. But I also, I perform elsewhere. I performed recently at Nerd Night, uh, right. at Busby's East, um, at Macaulay Culkin's uh, house, if you happen to be there. You performed at Real Pain Comedy in Mid-City. The amazing Real Pain Comedy, which was brilliant, at Real Pain yeah. Fine Arts. Yeah, yeah. 
Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks so much, Thank Andy. Thank you so much. Thanks. Hey, thanks for listening. You can find out more about Subdoc at subdocpodcast.com. We've been recapping reality since 2015. Our theme song was written by David Siegel, and our show was engineered by Will Scoble. For as little as a buck a month, you can donate to this show through our Patreon page, patreon.com slash podcast. If you want to help us out in other ways, please share the show with friends. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Find out more about Paco and George's comedy gigs on the About Us page on our website. Subdoc is by Doc fans for Doc fans. So if you want to advertise with Subdoc, got a film you want to recommend, or any opinions, please hit us up. Email us at subdocpodcast at gmail.com.